Get out there and tell somebody about Jesus. How's everybody doing today? Come on, somebody. Nothing's sticking anymore. Well, can't work in my office today. It's flooded. Man, there is just a good vibe happening today. Did. I told you. You did tell me. What did I tell you? <laughs> you you told me that the Lions were going mm-hmm. to win last Thursday. Oh. And you were right. Praise the I was so glad that you were right. I was willing to be proved wrong. I of wasn't course. I wasn't dead set on that. But but I didn't think. I, I didn't have the belief that you had that they were gonna pull it off. I know. I I let me it's hard. To change a Lions fan's mind. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. I know. My mind. It's still weird. It's still weird that they're good. I, uh, I know they're good. Yes. I, I knew they were good even before the first game. All I gave the reasons. All those reasons showed up in the game. They did show up in the game. And and you know what, Pastor Luke? I, I took some of your advice recently. Oh, Really? Not spiritual advice whatsoever. Okay, that's fine. It doesn't have to be spiritual <laughs> advice, you know. But, but we, we were talking sports the other day. Actually, Monday at lunch, we were talking sports. Yeah. And you were talking about not paying attention to the ESPN app and the, uh, you know, the, the report put out by the coaches. Coaches, yeah. And he said, you know, you got you to gotta listen to the beat writers. Yes. And the, a beat writer, I don't know why they call them, a, a, they're like, they're on the beat. So they got nicknamed the beat writer, a beat writer. Yeah. But essentially, like, um, the local <laughs> newspapers have writers, and some are the sports writers. Right. They're 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 employed to go and cover the D- Detroit Lions. Yep. They're not paid by the Detroit Lions. Exactly. They're given access by the Detroit Detroit Lions to practices, um, uh, media days with the coaches, players. They ask players and coaches questions. They write articles. They go to every game. They travel to every game. Yeah. And they're at all the practices. They're called the beat writers. Yes. That's who I told you to listen to. When yeah. I, so, so what happened with that? Well, I started listening to them. Ah, okay. <laughs> so you, you actually sent me a, a, a number of like podcasts that are done by some of the, a group of you, these, these. You listen to some of those podcasts? I did. I listened to two of them. Okay. And uh, I was as interesting. The more I listened to these beat writers, the more encouraged I became about the Detroit Lions. There you go. And uh, so I'm just saying, I'm pretty excited about the Detroit Lions this year. Absolutely. And uh, let's just keep this theme going. Let's predict the game this All Sunday. Right. This Sunday, coming up, we got, who do we got? We got Seattle, 1 yep. o'clock. At, at? At Detroit. Yep. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think Detroit wins. Okay. Um, I think that Detroit has a chip on their shoulder from a lot – that from Seattle, because mm-hmm. uh, Seattle beat them last year, like 42, 45 or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, they scored like 48 points on us. Yeah. It was embarrassing. And uh, we didn't we did not make Seattle punt one time. Exactly. That's that's embarrassing. So I think I think Detroit comes in, it's their first home game. I think the atmosphere in in Ford Field is absolutely electric. Mm-hmm. And I think the Lions win on Sunday. All right. Okay, good. You know what? I think the Lions win too. I think the Lions win um, by seven or more points. Yeah, I, th- I think they win by at least a touchdown. Now Seattle's a good team. I don't. I don't think Seattle's a bad team. Uh, I, Geno Smith is a is a pretty decent quarterback, mm-hmm. 
Uh, he's got some good receivers. Metcalf, Lockett, you know? Yeah. Um, Seattle's on a bad team. Yeah. Uh, but I think Detroit ha- Detroit has him this year. I think so, too. I think so, too. <laughs> All right, there we go. We both right. think the we both think the Lions are going to win. And here's the thing: we can't just predict always a win. No, I, I'm not going to do that. No, I predicted a loss last week, a couple weeks and ago. You're got you see, you're more you're more believable because you've predicted a loss. So that means you're not like some sort of weird fan who's like always going to win. They're always going to win. They're always going to win. That can't be. They're not no. going to go 17 and 0. But I do think they're going to win. Like I thought they win last time, last week. I think they're going to win. This week, if I think they're going to lose, then I'll say it. Yep. But I think the win, I mean, it's the home opener. It, yeah. There's something special about that. There is something special about All the right. home opener. All right. Uh, <laughs> All right. All right. So let's no. just keep this line. <laughs> let's keep the Lions train going. Let's keep All the right. Lions train we're, going. We're not a sports podcast, but we're going to talk about the Lions because we're both Lions fans. We're I, excited about it. I do have a confession to make, though. Okay. What's your confession? So I don't know if you saw this or not, but our sa- our safety, see, uh, CJ Gardner Johnson. Yeah. He wore a blue um robber's mask at at the game on Thursday night in Kansas, okay. Kansas City. I did not see this. Okay, so he wore this blue robber's mask. Like, like a ski mask? Yeah, ski mask. That's it. Okay. A blue ski mask. Gotcha. And after the game was over, the reporters were like, yeah. Why why were you wearing a ski mask? He's like because we're villains. <laughs> and he's like, it's like, the reporter's like, really? He goes, yeah. And it, so Brad Holmes, our general manager at the Combine this year, yeah, wore a sweatshirt. It said villain on it. Okay. And he, it was like a custom-made sweatshirt, essentially saying Detroit's coming. Okay. That's yeah. essentially his message is we're a villain. We're coming for you. Yeah. And so this guy, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, our starting safety, wore a blue ski mask. And he says, because we're villains. And yeah. then he goes, it's because what Brad Holmes did. And he goes, I want blue ski masks all over Ford Field on Sunday. Wow. That's what this guy said. And I, I bought one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I bought one on Amazon. <laughs> it's supposed to come in like a week or two. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh-huh. I'm so glad that you, you shared that with the podcast. That makes me so happy. It's so easy to just go on Amazon and swipe right. Yeah. You know that little swipe right button? Oh, yeah. To, to just yeah. buy now? Yep. Uh-huh. It's so easy. And I just was like, blue ski mask, swipe right, done. Yep. You're supposed to arrive, you know, in like a week and a half. But um, so when you watch the game this Sunday, look for... Um, look for a bunch of blue ski masks? Yeah, look for a bunch of blue ski masks. Because the Detroit Lions are famous for the paper bags over their heads. Yep. You know, sell the team and fire Millen and fire Patricia. They write on the bag. Yeah. Yeah, they don't want to be seen at the games. So they put a paper bag over their head. <laughs> yep. It's so embarrassing. See, he was at CJ Gardner Johnson said, no more bags. It's all about the blue ski mask. We're coming. I like it. Isn't that cool? I like it. The villain. I like it too. Oh, and we got a good topic today. We're gonna we're gonna kind of have a um kind of a, a topic based off of the last podcast a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. So basically what happened is I'm going to catch everybody up, bring everybody up to speed on what happened over the past few weeks. We did a podcast about, about David and about the one giant in David's life that he couldn't kill. 
we, we were talking about mm-hmm. that, that giant of intimacy, right? We got that from, from Dr. Ron Cobble's book. And it felt like we were, we were, as the podcast was happening, we were like just talking through it and like kind of touching the surface of it. Yeah. And then I was so curious about it. I preached a whole 45-minute message on it uh, a couple Wednesdays ago. Right. And as I really studied this out, it was like a window into my own soul. Yeah. I was like, this is probably my giant yeah. in my life. And what was so cool then was then we actually got to play that message um, on the radio, mm-hmm. um, which we, me and Pastor Luke are on the radio every week. If you want to listen to us, it's 103.5 WMUZ, the light, 10 a.m. every weekday morning. Walking in his word. <laughs> Walking in his word. Go check us out. Um, but, uh, so we were on the radio, we were playing that message on the radio. I mean, you were talking about it on air and it was, it was really, really interesting to get to talk about it again, to get to dive into this, because I think it really reflects a giant that I feel like I face as well. And then I mentioned something as we were recording yesterday, uh, that I thought was, it it was kind of just stuck in my head Yeah, and I couldn't get it out. And so I brought it up to my wife this morning who uh, Dana is a, she's got a degree in psychology. She works in the social field work. Uh, She knows all about psychology and our brain makeup and different therapies and stuff like that. And she said, hey, you should look up uh, CBT. CBT, not to be confused (laughs) with CBD. Right. Which is the... uh, (laughs) Which is the, the, the yeah the extract from marijuana? It's not that. <laughs> That's not what she said to look up. <sighs> CBT, CBT, not and, CBD. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what this um, what this is. What is CBT? Because it's it's um, a new acronym for me. But um, yeah, tell us a little bit about exactly what this CBT is. Yeah. So basically, and and I'm not an expert by any means. I don't. I haven't like studied this out. I'm reading this from uh, an article on the internet. Um, <clears throat> so I feel like it's a pretty reputable source. If it's on the internet, it must be true. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I'm not like an expert in this at all. <clears throat> um, if we wanted to get an expert on, we, we should get a psychologist on or something. Um, but basically, it's uh, a couple different pieces of different therapy put together and part of it is understanding, uh, this is a quote, that CBT is also reveals the relationship between beliefs, thoughts, and feelings, and the behaviors that follow, end quote. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so I thought this was so interesting because yeah. we see this all throughout the Bible. And that, it's funny that like modern day psychology is just... just barely catches up with what the Bible's been written down for 5,000 years. Right. And that's what I thought was so cool. I was like, she was like, listen, this is like this yeah. this newer uh, therapy method that yeah. therapists are using. And she's like, but exa- it's exactly what you're talking about yeah. from 1 Samuel. Yes. That was that was written, you know, 25 to 3,000 years ago, 2,500 to 3,000 years ago. Yeah. And it's like, they're, they're just catching up. It's basically this idea that the way that we believe, you know, it affects our thoughts and our thoughts affects our feelings and our feelings affect our behavior. Hmm. And so it's basically the idea that you can't just address somebody's behavior. Why is it called CBT when it's like thoughts? It's cognitive behavioral therapy. Oh, okay. So it's it, your 
cognitive, the stuff in your head, and then your behavior therapy. So the stuff in your head is like your thoughts and your feelings, which affects your behavior, which then, yeah. 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 So I guess that's why it's called that. Um, <clears throat> and we were, we were just talking through, and I was studying on my own, and then we were doing the radio broadcast, and it was like the, the more – it felt like from the podcast to the lesson – to the message I preached to the radio, it just was like we kept getting deeper and deeper into this thing, this giant – called intimacy. Yeah. Okay. David is a giant killer. Right. Oh, yeah. But he cannot conquer this. He can't conquer this giant. So it's got to be a major problem for most people. Yeah. It's got to be. Yeah, it has to be because David was this... David wasn't just a giant killer in the fact that he killed Goliath. Giant, uh, David was this giant killer with all of these symbolic giants that most people have an incredibly difficult time conquering. He, he, he mastered servanthood. Yeah, there's, there's, he, all these, there's lots of giants. Uh, Dr. Ron Cottle says there's nine giants that we all must conquer. Yeah. David conquered eight of them. Yeah, which is like, that's a huge percentage. Yeah, he's living in the 99th percentile of humans. Yeah, exactly. He, so, But there was this one that he couldn't conquer. Yeah. And is this giant of intimacy. And I think that, I mean, we, we obviously see this, Pastor Luke, and me and you have been talking about this, that we see this when David couldn't defeat this giant of intimacy that it affected every area of his life. Mm -hmm. And I think often he tried to fix the problem at hand. He, it's like he tried to medicate it. Yeah. And that's a terrible, terrible uh, therapy for, he, for it. Yeah. He never, he never took it to the Lord. He never dealt with the root issue. We see right away in David's life, the first time that we see him, well, I guess technically the second time we see him, he, he's got some issues with his family right away. We see him as a young boy. Big time. He's got some issues. He's got some intimacy issues. <laughs> yeah. Well, his father is just a, a terrible, terrible father. I, I feel, feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for anybody out there who was raised with a terrible father. And even a, even a great father is not a perfect father. It's not a perfect father. We all have daddy issues, but yeah. like <laughs> David had real issues. Yeah. And and he, so he never he never goes to the root of this issue. He never really tries to. I don't think he ever really tries to conquer this giant the right way. I don't think he even identifies it. And so because he never does that, it keeps coming back, and he keeps losing to it time after time after time. We see here that that David um, doesn't know how to relate to to both men and women. Yeah, doesn't quite. No, especially women. Yeah. He doesn't understand women. He doesn't view women the right way. Yeah. Um, he, <clears throat> this intimacy issue reared its head in a very negative ways when it came to the opposite sex. Yeah. Yeah, it really did. I mean, it's a little bit hard to blame David when he was raised in a sheep pasture. <laughs> I know. I, I agree. <laughs> I agree, and I think there's some grace because of that. Yeah, and and I think we we obviously see. I want to just bring something up, kind of throw this out there before we get too much deeper into this, Pastor Luke. We see two things. We see that the grace of God constantly is on David's life. Mm -hmm. 
You know, even in his some of his greatest failures, I mean, go read Psalm 51. David's still in that moment of failure when he he committed adultery with Bathsheba, afterward comes with a heart of repentance and mm-hmm. is able to receive the grace of God. God still calls him, and he's still referred to after that in, in the, by the prophets and even, even by Jesus and, and the, the apostles in, in Acts. They're talking, they constantly talk about David as this man after God's own heart. That you know that this uh, the, the, the king he he was the king of Israel, mm-hmm. and so he still has he still is this man after God's own heart. He still experiences the grace of God, but this was still a giant that we see that consistently brings him down. And and just imagine for a second what his life would have been like if he could have conquered this giant. Yeah. So let let's. Give an example. Let's give a good example of how this giant of intimacy took him out with the opposite sex. Yeah, um, he is uh, a man in his fifties, and he does not go out to war. Yep, he stays back. He sees a beautiful woman bathing on the rooftop. Okay, somebody who has conquered the giant of intimacy sees a woman bathing naked on the rooftop. That's not the sin. That's not the sin. Right. That right there. Okay. But somebody who's conquered the giant of intimacy says, whoa, um, I need to not be up here on yeah. my own rooftop looking yeah. down on her rooftop. Yeah. I, I, whoa, I'm attracted to her. What do I do with this attraction? Uh, so you should um, go to your own wife. Yeah, which he had a couple wives at this point. Yeah, um, you should uh, maybe ignore Bathsheba. Yeah, and understand that that's somebody else's wife. Yeah, um, get off the roof. Yeah, get off the roof. You have your own wives. Go to your own wives to satisfy these this side of your flesh. Um, maybe even just begin to like. Put it out of your mind. Like, just just be like, hey, that's just another woman. She's a married woman. That's not my woman. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, you know, get these images out of my mind. I don't want to... Uh, uh, it's, it's not just lust. I don't want to have just this lustful thing after women all the time. But and, and if you have conquered the giant of intimacy, you don't stare at every woman with lust. Right. That's because because the the intimacy says... There's more to her than that. Yeah. But David didn't see anything else besides sexual attraction for Bathsheba. Yeah. Because he doesn't understand intimacy. Yeah. And I think you you brought up, and I, I want to hit this because you just said something that was awesome. David didn't understand what intimacy really was. Mm-hmm. And you talked about this in your message that I, I got to hear and we talked to on the radio that intimacy is this ability and idea of being able to open up with somebody. It's this connection. It's so much more and so different, really, than what David thought it was. Yeah. And he never was able to understand that. And I think we see that. I'm going to go to a different story in David's life, one that's way less known earlier in David's life when he kills Goliath. One of the rewards for killing Goliath was that he was promised Saul's oldest daughter. Mm-hmm. And Saul doesn't give David his oldest daughter. Yeah. 
And Saul actually gives her to somebody else. Yep. And David in this moment could have fought for her. Mm-hmm. Could have said, wait, no, this was, you promised me this. Yeah. I, I literally killed the giant for her. Yeah. I saved your entire nation. <laughs> And and he yeah he, he literally could could have brought all of this to Saul. He, he doesn't fight for her. It's strange because he doesn't understand intimacy. Exactly, he doesn't understand intimacy, so he doesn't fight for her. And then a little bit later, Saul's other daughter, Michael, said that she she found David very attractive, and Saul thought that she would be a trap to David, and so it was like, here you can have her. And, and, and David's like, okay, but he still is missing the entire point of what intimacy is supposed to be all about. He wasn't looking for a wife. He didn't even know what to look for in a wife. Yeah. This is kind of the, this is, this is kind of the I, I would say this is a sad part of David's, this is a sad part of David's life. Yeah. And I see this a lot in young men, Pastor Aaron, is that they don't really know what to look for in a wife. Mm-hmm. They know what to look for in, like, a girlfriend. Yeah. Because it's just really kind of based on, like, physical attraction. Yep. Um, but there's, but they, they, they might be more like a Michael, which her name translates to, like, Shallow Brook or something like that. Yeah. Or, like, Babbling Brook. Yeah, I think it's Babbling Brook. Which kind of means she's shallow and she just won't stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, just stop talking, you know? There's no peace around her, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and she just babbles and babbles and babbles. Um, and, and he doesn't know what to look for in a wife. He doesn't understand what he needs as a helpmate for, him, for, him, for his life. He sees maybe she's attractive. She probably was attractive. Yeah. I mean, it's it's possible that like she uh she looked good and David's like, hey, actually, still a pretty good reward. And because he sees like physical attraction. Yeah. But she's a she's not nice, she's not loyal, um, and uh she's not smart. Yeah. Um and she's not wife material at this point. She might yeah. turn into wife material. Um, she doesn't turn into, into wife material for David, even as the years go on. Right. But she's at this point, she's she's not wife material, but he takes her anyway. Um, there's a lot of guys out there who don't know how to find a wife. Yeah. And it's because you haven't conquered the giant of intimacy. Yeah. That's, a, that's it. That's the root of it. Yep. Um, and don't be ashamed or angry about that <laughs> you, because this giant can be conquered. Yes. Yeah, and I think that's what we wanted to talk about a little bit today is that this giant can be conquered, that you don't have to live in this this perpetual cycle of getting beat down by this giant of intimacy over and over again like David did. You don't have to go with this this Band-Aid motion of just putting putting a Band-Aid over something and be like, well, I'll cover it up for right now. Mm. But but you can, with, with the help of the Holy Spirit, actually take down this giant and begin to live in a freedom that David never got to experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, that should bring some hope to a lot of people, because like both of us have said, I feel like this is a giant that that we definitely deal with, oh, yeah. struggle with. Oh, yeah. I, I would say to you right now, Pastor Aaron, that, that most guys out there that are struggling with opposite sex issues, 
It's most likely your root is issue is actually intimacy. Yeah. You don't quite, uh, you either don't understand intimacy or you have never actually experienced much intimacy. Yeah. Intimacy is very powerful. It, it is incredibly powerful. When you connect soul to soul with somebody, there's a lot of responsibility attached to that. Mm-hmm. Most guys don't understand that. Yep. They attach their soul to another girl flippantly and quickly. And yep. then they realize there's so much responsibility attached to this. I'm not mature enough to handle it. I'm out. Yeah. And that is an intimacy issue. Yeah. Because you made the mistake, first of all, of connecting your soul to somebody. Yeah. But then you didn't have the maturity, a mature ability to continue with that connection. Yeah. That's an intimacy issue. Yeah. It, that's exactly what it is. And I think, Pastor Luke, this translates, especially especially for guys, and it's hard, maybe a little bit harder, at least for us to, especially for me, I guess, to, to speak from like a woman's perspective because I'm agree. not a woman. I'm going to just speak from the man's <laughs> side of things. But even as a guy, this translates from like just with friends, just with other guy friends. Absolutely. Because we see the one successful relationship that David does have is with his friend Jonathan. I mean, do you think he really... I mean, biblically speaking, I only see one successful relationship was with Jonathan. That was it. That's his only intimate relationship. Is with his friend Jonathan. Yeah. Now, for, for guys like us, I, we, we talked about this. I actually can't remember if this is on the radio or on the podcast. Um, but we talked about the idea of watching another friend do something for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. I think that was the podcast. I think it was the podcast last time. And we were like, ah, that didn't even come into my head. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like, I wouldn't have even thought about doing that for somebody else. I, I know. And I think that, like, that, it's like the kind, like, kill them with kindness. You're like, you're so kind. I wouldn't have thought to do that. Like, what? Yeah, it, it's probably because they they're under, they under, they've conquered the giant of intimacy. They've conquered the giant of intimacy, <laughs> and they understand how incredibly important it is to have real good friendships that yeah. you can have moments of vulnerability with, mm-hmm. that you can have somebody in your corner when you get knocked down to come and pick you up, right? What is that passage in Ecclesiastes? I think it's Ecclesiastes 9. What does it say? Ecclesiastes 4. Ecclesiastes nine. 4. Okay, yeah. I knew there was 9. Two are better than one. Two are better than one. Mm-hmm. Why? Because if one gets knocked down, there's nobody to help him up. Yeah. But if there's two, they can they can hold their own. Yeah, there's right? safety. There's, there's safety in numbers, right? So... You need to have somebody. We need to learn to defeat this giant of intimacy, not just with somebody of the opposite sex, but also just in our friendships to mm-hmm. have to have this ability. Because there's a moment in David's life where he's so distraught, he's so depressed, he he's so down on himself. The only way that he finds encouragement is the Bible says Jonathan actually sneaks out of Saul's camp. And comes and encourages Jonathan, or comes and encourages David. Yeah. Sometimes you need somebody like that. The only way you're going to actually get that real relationship with somebody is if you learn to conquer this giant of intimacy. I preached that message, and as I was writing the message, I, it kind of occurred to me there might there there it looks like there's two steps to conquer this giant. Yeah. Well, I, I love this. It's so good. It's yeah. For, the first step is this realize you have a major problem with this giant called intimacy. Yeah. It is a giant in your life. You are totally messed up. 
<laughs> you're totally awkward. <laughs> You've got no quality relationships. Like these are the things that you must admit. Yeah. I got no quality relationships. Nobody actually knows who I am. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm afraid to get married. Um, I'm addicted to things I shouldn't be addicted to. These are all intimacy giants. Yeah. Okay. And you got to just be like, start off by saying, hey, uh, I got a problem. (laughs) I think I got a problem, which happened to me as I was studying this out, realizing that I'm not like addicted to things, but I've realized this on my years of life. I'm, I'm 38 years old now, and I've had wonderful relationships over the years, but as the years have gone on, I, all my relationships get taken away from me. Yeah. And I've got intimacy issues, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In my life. Yeah. As dark and as tragic as that is, that's the God's honest truth. I was like, oh my goodness, this is me. Now, what Now, what do I do? Right. Because there has to be another step now. There is. And there's one more step. It's two steps. It's then you must begin to tell somebody. Yeah. Hey, um, do you want to be friends? <laughs> Because I don't really have one, I, re- I, I and this is what I'm going through. This is what's in my heart right now. Yeah, I, I just need a friend. Yeah, and then w- when you open up the door like that, like it's it's like um it's like opening the shades. It's like pulling the curtains when the sun. Like you never been in your house and it's daytime, but you got all the curtains shut and you yeah. look look walking around. And you're like, why is it so why dark? Why is it in so here? dark in here? Yeah. yeah, and you just go around. And you start opening all the curtains, and all of a sudden the home is flooded with light. What happens when that happens? The darkness flees. Yeah. So all that shame and secretness gets exposed. Yep. And it turns to victory. It turns to triumph. It turns to courage. All that begins to change. Now you're conquering the giant called intimacy who thrives in the secretness, in the hiddenness, and in the darkness of your heart. Yeah. Let them, let the light in. And the Bible actually has a verse about this. That the light will defeat the darkness. Yeah, it 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 just it does. The darkness runs away. So you got to open up to somebody about this first. Mm-hmm. Be honest with yourself. Second, tell somebody <laughs> that you need a friend. Maybe you're married even right now, mm-hmm. and you're realizing I don't know if I'm very connected with my wife. Yeah, I th- I. I need to let her in and who I really am. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's scary. Yeah, it, it is scary. And it's scary because probably the reason that a lot of us struggle with this giant called intimacy is because we've probably been hurt by it before. When we tried to be intimate, it didn't work. Or what we were taught was intimacy was was scary. Mm-hmm. And so, so we were like, ah, I don't want to let anybody in. Yeah. They might hurt me again. Maybe they did hurt you. Maybe they took advantage of that. But in this is really the only way that you're going to get this true victory mm-hmm. is by having this moment of realizing I do have a giant of intimacy in my life and I need to let somebody in. I cannot conquer this. You can't. You can't conquer this giant by yourself. Yeah. You, you need to, to invite somebody in. And maybe you're like, the first thing you need to do is maybe to invite the Holy Spirit into it. Say, say Holy Spirit, search my heart. Yep. And help me, help me find somebody to be this friend that I can that I can open up to and begin to share with. And, and there is incredible power when you do that. Yeah. Let's end with this. <clears throat> do you uh, watch The Chosen? I uh, yeah, I'm way okay. behind. 
oh. on it. But but actually, me, me and Dan are watching it. All right. Yeah. Jen and I are watching it now through the second time. Okay. And a, a few weeks ago, we were watching an episode, and um, it was this quick scene where Jesus tells the disciples, hey, we're going to be traveling th- to, a di- to a different city. Let's go. And Philip says, hey, wait, wait, wait. Can we stop off at this town? Because I want to say hi to one of my friends. Okay. So, like, but you could tell Philip was like, uh, <laughs> like, he's telling Jesus to, like, yeah, you know, slow down <laughs> on his journey to preach the gospel, right? You know? Right. And he was, and Jesus was like, absolutely. And Philip was like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? You know, I don't want to, like, mess this all up. And Jesus says to him, now, this is not in the Bible. <laughs> right, right, right. This is chosen. This isn't the Bible. But it still really was impacting. Jesus looks right at him and says, if we don't make time for friends, we won't have any friends. Mm. Boom. How about an arrow to your heart? Yeah. It's an arrow to a heart of somebody who's struggling <laughs> with the giant of intimacy. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> that if you don't make time for friends, you won't have any friends. Yeah. And the, and the, and the friend he wanted to stop off and see was Nathaniel. Mm, come and, on. And after his Philip and Nathaniel's interaction, Nathaniel became a disciple. Yeah. And so let's end with that. And let me encourage you guys out there to conquer the giant of intimacy. Mm. It's a big one. It is a big one. But you it can, can take be, it down. You can you can take it down. You can mm. take it down. Oh, it's been good to be with you today, audience. Has been good. This was a good one. Oh wow. Po- uh podcast um 59. 59. 59, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, man, we're about to need a uh, Medicare (laughs) getting up there in age. (laughs) All right, potty, it's been good to be with you today. Catch you on the next one. See you guys. Bye. Get out there and tell somebody about Jesus. How's everybody doing today? Come on, somebody. Nothing's sticking anymore. Well, can't work them off today. It's flooded. Man, there is just a good vibe happening today.